0: Join us in a world where you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Sit back as we discuss hard lessons from the best and brightest the personal defense and competition shooting industry has to offer. Let us help you help yourself, no matter where you are on your personal path. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. Now here's your host, John Johnson.
1: Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at ballisticradio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, photos, videos, arguments, class announcements, other stuff, while we're still here at facebook.com slash Radio can follow me on Instagram, too. You know, owned by the same parent company, but I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. Joe, how are you?
0: Here again for another great episode.
1: I, this is going to be a super awesome episode because I am incredibly excited uh, and honored to welcome back to the show Craig Douglas. Hey. Yay. Craig, how are you doing this morning?
0: Man, I'm doing well. How are you, buddy?
1: Uh, I... can. You know, I always say I can't complain, and you know, everyone could complain, but I, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that complaining doesn't actually do anything, and it's really just the wrong way to start your day out. So I'm doing great. So,
0: well, what I've realized is that complaining doesn't do anything, but damn, I sure like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've realized as I, uh, you know, get more gray and, and, and it's harder and harder to get moving. You know, it's like, you know, I, I'm just going to complain to complain. You know, it, it does kind of make me feel better. There's,
1: but anyway. there's like a cathartic release associated with it. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to vent like that's okay. But right. Right. It it's hard for me to sit here doing what I'm doing, interacting with the people that I get to interact with and complain when I remember, you know, for instance, working split shifts, fueling aircraft, uh, and what that was like. So it's like you know what life's oh pre- life's pretty damn good right now. So
0: yeah, I, I get. So your your point's well made. I, I don't complain meaningfully. Yeah, but I just complain more frequently.
1: That makes sense. That makes sense. It's more it's more <laughs> of like an affectation than anything else. But yeah. For for those that don't know who you are or what you do, why don't you let them know?
0: Okay. Well, my name is uh, Craig Douglas. I'm a retired sheriff's deputy from South Mississippi. I have a 21-year law enforcement career down here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Most of that was spent as a drug cop, a SWAT cop, or both simultaneously. I retired in 2011 to do training full-time, so this year I enter my 10th year of training full-time and i enter my 19th year of training under the shivworks brand globally and i teach in 45 states 11 countries outside of the u.s three branches of the u.s military five federal agencies and i have a small contract within uh the department of defense so i'm best known in the industry for really uh obscure niche problems such as what a gunfight in a car looks like what you would uh, have to do to negotiate an interior movement problem with a handgun by yourself with a lot of ambiguity, and then um, stabbing people uh, in ground fights. That's kind of what I do.
1: I feel like there are so many things that I could ask you about how you got there and whether or not you ever thought you'd get there, and that would be an interesting story, but I think we'll save that for – A different episode another episode yeah but so the thing that I will say from a personal level that as far as the instructors that I have spent some time with and I've as you know I've spent time with not everyone that does this but damn near everyone that does this at least on a, a meaningful national level there's a couple of notable exceptions to that that I'm trying to work my way through but of everyone that I've spent time with I'd have to say that <clears throat> you're probably the instructor that I would most like to emulate on several different le- different levels, and, it, and I intend this as a compliment. I think you do a very good and unique job in how you deliver information and how you think about and approach problems. So for anyone that's listening, if you get the opportunity to spend time with you— um, I, I highly recommend it. So I just want to take a second to thank you for for your time and all of that. You've certainly had a, a large impact on me. Now the thing that I think I would like to discuss first, and this is one of the things that is incredibly unique about you is well, I don't know if it's unique about you, but it's something that I noticed you do first is you are incredibly deliberate in everything that you do as far as how you run a class and specifically how you communicate with people. Do you mind talking about sort of what got you there and why that is?
0: That's, that's really interesting. It wasn't a goal. It wasn't something I recognized was important and actively took measures to say, I need to be more deliberate. I need to be more precise. <clears throat> I need to get from point A to point B a, as far as my instructorship. There there was none of that. And that... To be quite frank, it's really most of my life. I, I wish I could say there were there there was a deliberate plan to get there, but there wasn't. It was a lot of repetition and a lot of just just a lot of time with a, a wide variety of people, John. It it really was. I, I have been teaching somehow, some way now. Since I was in single digits, literally, I was a uh, so I was a martial arts kid nerd, you know. And uh, i told you the story that about about being bullied and you know the skinny kid with the birthmark and and getting involved in martial arts in, in 1974. And uh, I was good at it, and I was good enough at it that it became martial arts daycare. And uh, I would I would eat with my instructors, and then. I'd end up doing like the adult class after the kids class I'd spend like five hours six hours a day after school in martial arts and and um probably within three years I was teaching the kids class so I taught as a child martial arts to other children so I was kind of a martial arts nerd and prodigy and I continued doing that into my teens and then Didn't do any teaching in the Army, but got out and started teaching uh, within a year and a half of being employed in law enforcement, defensive tactics, because I had a good rear naked choke at our um, correctional facility where I started my law enforcement career, and it was impactful, me using that in the back of the day rooms. And this is pre-pepper spray day, so I was the one that got sent to the defensive tactics class, and then I started teaching in the police academy, and then I started teaching uh, in-service police officers, and I was still teaching martial arts to citizens and civilians, and I I had a lot of flight time as an instructor and made a lot of mistakes and did some things well and did some things for the wrong reasons. So it, it just was a, a combination of, I guess, trial and error over, over a long time that, that led me to be more efficient, deliberate, and mindful in my presentations. And and a big part of that was active observation in the law enforcement community of how the curriculum, not only the techniques, but how I was teaching them were working in real time. And when I got the opportunity to not teach – Somebody else's content because that's what I had done for years, and I've told the stories in the past about the failures that I had of other people's content in my undercover tenure specifically and just a a a, a lot of time spent thinking about those failures and then seeing the failures of other police officers and and things not working and Having an opportunity to have autonomy in how I delivered and what I delivered, and, and the genesis of that was probably the local fight club that, that led to ECQC and SHIVWORKS. and that's kind of where we're in today. so it, it, it's, a, it's a lot of a lot of mistakes and a lot of time teaching things that were prefab, already made for me, and then a lot of time developing myself as an instructor with, with small groups of people, you know, four or six guys on a weekly recurring basis. And then that led to a rich show. And I And and it's interesting with people now who have known me for a long time through Works, So we'd say – somebody who trained with me in 2004 when i see them now in 2021 they they remark about the difference in the curriculum now and the difference in my instructorship now and they say both have markedly improved so you know that's that's really it man it's i i, I wish i could say again it was deliberate but it wasn't it's just a ton of time. I don't think really – and even now, I teach a lot. My schedule is pretty full. I'm on the road teaching about 40 weeks out of the year. And I don't teach a lot of varied content. I teach the same stuff over and over and over. So just a repetition, quite honestly, is – probably the most important thing and the the second most important thing is that when you teach the same thing over and over and over, you get tired of it. You get tired of saying the same stuff over and over every weekend. So when you're when you're teaching at, at that kind of pace and you're actively engaged with not only the group but every single individual in the group, here's here's what tends to happen. You get tired and you get fatigued. And just for your own survival and your own mental well-being, you start figuring out the most efficient ways to deliver the material. And that's not necessarily to disconnect. And it's it's an interesting dichotomy because one of the things about teaching motor skills is that people learn by doing. It's very experiential. It's very andragogical. So Generally speaking, the less you say, the more they do, the better the learning is. Okay, right. And that also tends to feed into the idea that the less I talk, the more juice I have in the tank, and I can do it again next weekend. So I, I think I figured it out that just by conserving my emotional energy, that by proxy, the students learn better. Now I so I, I, why I, I was ironically gonna... I think the mo- ironically I think the motivation <clears throat> initially to be quite frank and I've never said this but ironically I think the motivation I- intrinsic motivation probably that that kind of drove the way I teach a lot of it was just kind of selfish
1: survival. It's funny you mention that because I you know, I have some thoughts on that. We're actually at the end of this segment, so we'll, we'll get into those when we get back. Right now, we're talking with Craig Douglass from ShivWorks. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat makes of the finest custom 911s and scatterguns since... 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories as well as the EDC-X9 series of firearms, which offers discriminating shooters, 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics, and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at WilsonCombat.com. So we're talking with Craig Douglas from ShivWorks, and you were... You were discussing before the break as far as what the intrinsic motivation was to sort of pare down your delivery method. I'm going to ask one or two questions kind of all, to- yes. all together and then just let you okay. go so that people can listen to the person they want to listen to in this.
0: Right, because I have no idea what I'm going to say like literally a quarter second before it comes out of my mouth.
1: Yeah, so, I, I have yeah. that same problem. So, But you, you handle it much better than I do. So I will say mm-hmm. – I I have a it strikes me so I teach as well and and certainly not to the level that you do and I I would not I would not make a comparison because I don't think that there is one but from a from a personal level I have noticed something similar as far as trying to find the least impactful way to impactful to me Way to get across what I'm trying to say, and allowing um, the student the opportunity to make it their own. Because one of the one of the things that you know in my own personal journey, as far as learning this stuff, is having people tell me, you know, this is the way you're supposed to do it, or this is the way you're supposed to do it. And there are clearly ways that you're supposed to do things, but I think everyone has to take ownership of whatever it is that they're learning. And apply it to their specific situation and stuff like that. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily possible to, maybe it's possible, but I, I've not had great success in trying to create clones of me as far as yeah. the things that I'm teaching. It doesn't, doesn't work out so great. And allowing the students the space to, you know, take the core of what I'm trying to tell them Take ownership of it and figure out the specific nuances for them and how their brain works and how their body interacts with that has been I've had more success with that now the the question that I'd like to ask, I guess, is when we're so I sort of approach the question of deliberateness from an instructor standpoint, like as an instructor, why would you do something like that? But it strikes me that essentially, Everything that we're trying to teach people to do is how to be deliberate in a chaotic situation and take control of a situation that's hard to take control of. And the only way mm-hmm. to actually do that is through very deliberate actions in a timely manner. And in maybe the core of everything that we're teaching is deliberateness, whether or not it's martial arts or managing somebody if we're trying to figure out you know what they're doing or even from a from a shooting standpoint being deliberate in our our motor skills what what do you think
0: no i think that's uh old bushido is deliberateness and and mindfulness you know in managing chaos and and you could say arguably that when you teach 40 weeks a year, like I do. And when I say 40 weeks a year, a lot of that is, you know, I'll do an open enrollment gig Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I will fly Monday to a closed government class. I may do that Tuesday through Thursday and then fly to another open enrollment venue and then do that and then maybe fly out Monday to do a two-day gig and then fly on Wednesday. You know, so I've... I've jammed, and, and the training schedule doesn't reflect that, you know, that's on the ShivWorks website. It doesn't reflect my closed coursework. I don't put that out there. Um, but you could, you could say that, that that kind of travel, the duration of those days, the variability of all those students from, from pipe hitters, you know, in soft to soccer moms on the weekend that are scared of their own shadow – that, that managing that level of variability in and it of itself is chaotic and and for me to produce a consistent result, have a make sure that every single individual has a a good experience, a positive experience, and I don't mean feel good I mean you know I give them what they need it may not be what they like, but i <laughs> I certainly give them what they need you know and um that that requires deliberateness and mindfulness not only for them but for myself because I'm tired you know I, I am smoked a lot of times and, and you know this after you spend 11 to 13 hours on a range and it's a Saturday night and the students want to go out for dinner and they're paying for your time. They're paying for your experience. But you just kind of want to go back to the hotel in order to take out and get your mind off of it and not talk about gun stuff or martial arts stuff or whatever it is you teach, but they want that time, right? Yeah. You know, um, how do you be engaged and social and continue to give to them while while maintaining your own – emotional health, and you know, your, your physiological well-being. That requires deliberateness and mindfulness. So I, I think as an, as an instructor, you get a lot of practice in doing that while teaching, if you're engaged and if you're good. And then that translates kind of at a, at a meta level into your actual teaching strategy, your fighting strategy, your tactics, and your techniques. I think, I think actively practicing deliberateness and mindfulness, trans, when, when you actively practice it, I think that translates over just by osmosis to a lot of other different interrelated facets of, of your life and, and, and the process itself. Does that, does that kind of make sense? And I'm, I'm really – because I don't, I don't do anything like you – know, I don't meditate. I don't um, think about how I'm saying things. I'm probably best when I'm clearing my mind. And, and, and it's interesting, too. A lot, a lot of the best teaching points of what I do specifically, extreme close-quarter concepts, the flagship class – came about because I was asked a question by a student that I didn't immediately have an answer for, that I couldn't by rote come up with. And it required me to actively engage with that person and be very deliberate and mindful of what I was saying. The the best example of that was what now is something that I don't think about, and that is the rule for using a retention position. So early on in Chevrolet Works, I was doing a small class. I think this was 05. I was doing a small class in Atlanta. And the course then compared to now was obviously crude because I was not the instructor that I, as I am now. So we're, we're tussling around, guys trying to get the gun out. And I've got one guy who has done some training with me even early on, a couple of times, and he's struggling. He'll, he'll Within the clinch, he'll, he'll follow the timing rule of controlling the limb close to the gun, but he'll get the gun out and constantly inappropriately extend the gun to get the gun grabbed. And he doesn't know where the gun needs to be, and I didn't have the ability to tell him where it should be. And he finally, in frustration through the work, looked at me and said, I, I need a rule for where this gun needs to be. i'm i don't know and i never thought about that before as far as actively and it may have been it may have been things that i did but i didn't necessarily teach right so i had to think about it i had to clear my mind i had to be deliberate i had to be mindful and i paused for a second and i said okay um here here's the thing man if you're close enough to touch him you should be at a retention position. And anything outside of that is appropriate extension based on how close or how far away he is. He's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And, and that became a teaching point. Yeah, But it was a, it was a problem, <clears throat> an external problem. It didn't come from me internally, right? Because that's not how I'm wired. I'm, I'm very symbiotic. It came from external pressure and friction on me from a student, and it brought out a refinement in the curriculum and and better language and better cogency in and you only get that from flight time i at least i do i there i, I don't know there may be guys who can who can meditate and think about how they make their curriculum better. But I have found that my best moments came at the behest of other people. And the refinements to me and my instructorship and the curriculum came externally, not internally.
1: No, that 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 makes sense and that <clears throat> that mirrors my experience as far as what I'm teaching right now. So I, I teach technical shooting is is probably the thing that I am best at teaching. I, I do other coursework with Melody uh, Lauer, and I mm-hmm. I can say that my I've certainly had an influence on that material, but I've had an influence on that material because of Melody, if that makes sense. Right. It, right yeah. As far as the my class and and the the handgun class is my class, most of what's made that better. In fact, all of what's made that better has been the, the questions from the students when I've said it stupid the first time and they've asked for clarification or brought up something I didn't think of and forced me to think through it. So that's, that's, that mirrors my experience. We have to go to break again, and then I will have more questions. Uh, we are talking with Craig Douglas from ShivWorks. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from Mod Light at the lowest price. No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and need a carry optic on your pistol. Well, BigTexOutdoors.com has those, and they don't judge. Block accessories, yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTaxOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike too. Visit BigTaxOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So we're talking with Craig Douglas from Shivworks and sort of having an esoteric conversation about instructorship and deliberateness and... You know, hopefully people get something about that. I know this is not necessarily a very structured thing where I am trying to, you know, lead you into discussing this particular point so that, you know, the people listening are are going to get like a laundry list of, I should do this and this and this. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. But that's not really how we teach, though, is it? I mean, we, you know, I've I, I, you've heard me say this. I don't really... I'm not so much a fan of telling you what to do as I am teaching you how to think. And, and yeah. there are parameters that I have to set, obviously, with anything new as far as telling you what to do and the pedagogy behind that. But, yeah. you know, adults learn by doing.
1: No, I, and, and I agree. And frankly, so, and this is actually going to segue into the question I want to ask you. I'm, okay. I'm like eight or nine years in now uh, doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, frankly, so hundreds of episodes talking about a very similar thing. At this point, I talk, I talk about what interests me and hopefully it interests other people. And if it does, that's, that's great. And it seems to based off of, you know, the, the metrics that I have and stuff like that. But I, I'm, I've certainly, if I were just trying to do the thing that we were just talking about every, every time I did this, I would have quit because it would be mind numbing.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um, right. My question for you, and, and this is going to sound like a weird question, but I actually think you'll understand what I'm asking. If tomorrow you got to not be Craig Douglas anymore and could teach whatever you wanted without any expectation placed upon you by this thing that you've created, what would you be teaching? Because you mentioned, you know, you're teaching 40 weeks out of the year and you've got a couple of different things that you're teaching but i i can't imagine that you know, i i assume it's kind of like you know metallica and oh good we get to play understand man again yeah <laughs> right yeah so yeah. so if if you got a wild hair and we're going to teach inside of the same well either way inside of the same space or not what um what would you do what what interests you and if if you were just like, you know, fuck it, we'll do it live. Um like what what would that be? What would that look like?
0: So does this have to does, does this have to be something that you ha- I'm you have good the you, you have
1: the you have the freedom to explore this question however you would like to, sir.
0: Okay. 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 Well, there are probably there are probably two trends, pro- probably two themes. I think I would teach or mentor what I think of as classic masculinity, and I would do that through clothes food booze social literacy and mastery and and i don't mean this in a a toxic way but dominance of your immediate environment i would i would look at that i would because and and that's kind of really a spin-off of what ecqc is really right now it it, it more or less it's a it's a little way to manage chaos you know it's in in a very specific kind of chaos but there there's chaos that that people navigate that's lower intensity and less threatening that I think has a long-term effect on your mental health and well-being And I I think a lot of the things that are offered in classic masculinity allow you to practice deliberateness and mindfulness, such as dressing well, drinking well, eating well, that kind of thing. Um, How you interact with other men, how you interact with women, how you better yourself. I think I'd do something like that. I think I would have uh, man school. And that's not to that, that that's not to exclude women from that because I love women and you know I I think um, right now a lot of people are um, unsure of who they are and I think I try and make the lines of individual identity sharper and I would use all these things to help. Define that. You, you could say that's that's you know sexist, but I I, I don't mean it that way. And th- so that would that would be the first. And I know I'm I'm really I'm very esoteric there. But I think the uh, the other thing, and I've said this several times, that if I had a third career and I couldn't do show work anymore, it just blew up. I think I would uh, take. What I've got, and I would probably go to culinary school, and I would do, I would get my, my culinary school, you know, I'd probably go to CIA for a couple of years, and then I would, uh, I would pack up and go work one of those uh, militant French kitchens <laughs> for three or four years, you know, where everybody says, yes, chef, and has to stand at parade rest and gets humiliated and abused, and I would, I would try and learn that because I'm, I'm passionate about cook. I'm a great home chef. I'm not a real chef. Right. But I'm a very very good home chef. And um I just like the deliberateness and mindfulness of food and I and you know me pretty well. I'm kind of a heathen <sighs> and a sensualist. And I love the I love the um I love the the technical elements of food cooking, preparing meals. I love the gear with food. I mean, there's as much gear in food and there's much, and, and, and equipment with, with food as there is in the gun business. And then I, I like the effect that food has on people. I like the uh, community. I like, you know, um, the emotional effect that food has on people. You know, and it's – I would probably do that. And then if I got good enough at it, you know, and I would have to probably spend a decade doing it, then I may entertain – and that's no guarantee that I'd be good at it. It's not. Even if I spent 10 years, it doesn't mean I'm good at it. But if I was, and I thought I was, and I probably wouldn't so much – like try and teach versus being asked to teach. Somebody said, how do I do what you do? That again, that's, it's that, that, that external element that, that brings out the best in me. And that's what, that's what made me the teacher that I am. You know, right? I never, you know, this, I never, <clears throat> there was never any plans for a chivalric. came about because of external motivation, because other people, when I was, writing and interacting in the old v and software of the of the era before social media, people took an interest in what I was saying. And, and I never intended to become a, a leader in the industry, but people listened to what I had to say based on my experiences and my writing, my ability to express myself, and they asked me to start teaching coursework. You know, Paul Gomez badgered me for two years nonstop to hang a shingle out, and it was finally, you know, a – uh, a crisis of uh, pain for a wedding that, that led me to relent to Paul and say, okay, I'll do this. And, and I, and I kind of found myself, I, I met the best people, the most curious people, the most interesting people, the, the, the most motivated people I'd, I'd ever met in my life. And then this is after again, decades of teaching and they are who made me the instructor. So again, it's, it's external. So I think i I think I'd have to to find excellence in this new thing and then be asked to teach.
1: I'm trying to imagine the so you know in like the the you know the the Marvel movies or comics or stuff like that, there's like multiple universes and it's the same person, but it's not. And the, the situations are wildly different. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm trying to imagine chef Craig essentially. And yes. And that is, I like that. It makes me happy to think that somewhere in the multiverse there is a chef Craig. And I, I I really enjoy that, uh, that mental image We've got to go to break, and then I'm sure I will ask another weird question uh, (laughs) and hopefully get a weird answer because those are the ones that I enjoy the most. Uh, Right now we're talking with Craig Douglas from ShivWorks. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment also brought to you by Centurion Arms. Even if you're just a cook, a lowly, lowly cook. This ad is just funny with uh, our last segment. Or you call in tactical nukes from your couch every night with ease. You need to know that your life-saving equipment is going to work, and Centurion Arms knows it too. Veteran-owned and operated, Centurion Arms is dedicated to producing firearms, parts, and accessories with an outstanding level of quality, functionality, and precision at prices you can afford. Whether you just need a new rail or barrel or something else to finish off your latest build, or maybe you want to take all the guesswork out and buy a complete rifle, Centurion Arms has got what you need and knows that when you need it, you need it to work. Visit centurionarms.com today to check out all their awesome products. Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. So we're talking with Craig Douglas from ShivWorks about... uh, well really whatever i feel like and the, that's the multiverse yeah yeah that's it's an interesting thing to imagine who we might be if we were able to sort of like move points around on the character sheet for lack of a better term or you know change our backstory just a little bit like we could you know select a, a specific section cut it out And type in something else. It's it's an interesting thought exercise, and I actually think that it really, you know, speaks to... uh, uh, I think you can learn a lot about someone if you ask them a question like that and actually listen to their answer. But something you said, I want to say, in the first segment that sort of struck me, and I'd like to ask you about that, is... Essentially, you were talking about observing what was going on when you were teaching other people stuff and interacting with them. And then, my, my to get to my actual question, do you think that part of the problem, either inside of a defensive encounter or even as people that are facilitating learning inside of our community, is that we're not actually looking at people or situations. We're just looking at our expectations of those things. Yes. Yeah. I
0: I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, we're all victims of our own experience. We all expect everybody's experience to look like ours. You know, this is what a fight looks like. This is how it starts. This is how it progresses. This is how it ends based on my experience and that's one of the great things about being a keen observer of experiential training and the vast majority i mean you've done what i did so you know what i did and, and there were technical elements to what i did certainly yes and there's a beginning there's a cogent beginning middle and end but but there's a lot of assisted learning that I do in the free-form, anything-goes type place that, that's my laboratory. And I, one of the fascinating things that keeps me curious about the, the realm of fighting human nature and how it all relates together is I, I still get surprised. I still see things that I didn't expect to see and go, huh. You know, and, and the lab, the lab really provides that. And, and I don't, I think that's one of the inherent flaws of firearms training on the range is that there's really not a lab. There, there's a timer and there's a standard, and there's an expectation, and there's a grading system. But there's not a lot of room for anything outside of those pretty well-defined parameters. You know, you did this, you have this much time, you made this kind of shot, blah, 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 blah. Where one of the beautiful things about what I do is that there can be multiple right answers. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's led me to, you know, for, from a to, – to use the language that always is used and people are tired of hearing, it, to, to look at the idea of the, the interdisciplinary tactician. I'm a big fan of having multiple right answers. I'm a big fan of people solving things, you know, kinetically with violence, and I'm a big fan of them solving things not kinetically. So um, – I think having um, an active laboratory helps manage your own stagnancy in expectations and what things look like and I think the laboratory helps you not be dis- too defined by your own experience even though depending on how you're in the laboratory um y- you may you, you may, again, fall victim to your own thing. You, know, you, you may very well do that. I mean, and, and there's a certain element of that, such as, you know, for example, we'll never know the efficacy of a full-power kick to the groin with no protective equipment. Because we can't train that, and that's something that I take out. So you know, now do I say, well, you shouldn't kick people to the groin because it doesn't come out in CQC evolutions? you know, that that'd be false, right? I mean so yep. there there there's certain things that, that inevitably, inextricably you are gonna be um they're are gonna be outside your experience, outside your observational skills and outside your expectations, but that doesn't mean they should necessarily be discounted. And um I I think that takes practice to uh to to, to do, you know, to to, to remember that what you're doing, and, and I use my words to help remind me of that, and it reminds the students about also, and that I always say, look, you know, the idea is to provide you the benefit of an experience without the consequence of a real life and make this as realistic as any simulation can possibly be
1: right and so, and we well and we've you know personally at least in the past discussed some of the limitations of what you're talking about you know as far as like uh-huh. what what you're able to allow in there i mean I, I i like you know like you said i i feel like it might impact enrollment if one of the expectations to coming to class was taking a full power grip, kick to the groin i exactly i mean
0: exactly I, I
1: feel like that would maybe like hurt the Yelp reviews right and right. the the same
0: Probably. The,
1: the same way that you know you need to use seminitions or u t m versus live rounds and right you know what even from a psychological standpoint, how people react when they know know for a fact that the gun that is shooting at them is not firing real bullets is significantly different right. than, hey, here are the bees, you know, so. Right. And, and that's something that I know personally that you are very aware of, but it seems like maybe some people lose sight of that when they're, when they're conducting their own experiments. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, well, uh, I'm just, and this is, this is one of the things I actively practice is I ask myself what am I not thinking of? Mm-hmm. What am I missing? I, I, I try not to get comfortable with the, be I, I try not to get comfortable with having the answers. If I find myself answering things by rote, then I, I really and, and it tends to give long winded answers. Mm-hmm. It does. When you, when you practice being deliberate, Michael, yeah. and not just being flippant in answering a student's question, it sucks time. You know, there's a time management issue there. Sometimes flippancy serves as well to move the curriculum along, get to the next guy to have his experience, you know, managing, managing time. And you know how I am about that. Yeah. That's a, uh, that that's a that's a big thing too. So I I try and balance that, but um, yeah I I I think um, and I and, and I want to circle back to something that you said, and it's and, and I'm breaking here for a second. I'm just losing sure. my train of thought yeah. about the question people ask themselves if they couldn't be who they are. Um, I think about that all the time, dude. Yeah. I think about that all the time, and the whole thing of, you know, what would I do if I couldn't do this anymore, as you age, and you know, I'll be 53 this year, I'm I'm not young, not old, but I'm firmly entrenched in middle age, I mean, you know, to, to show you my weird OCD, so, I mean, I'll be 53, so you have 50, and then you have your early 50s, that, that would be 51, 52, 53, your mid-50s would be 4 through 6. Your late 50s would be 7 through 9. And then there's 60s. So this year is the last year of my early 50s. Mm-hmm. Next year, I'll be in my mid-50s. Um, and that's just the way my mind works. That's my particular, you know, It's uh, exactly It's
1: and, exactly the way my mind works, too. And the fact that you're right. even bringing this up is frightening to me. But go on.
0: Right, right, right. Well, it's my bizarre taxonomy you know my my need to classify everything and um at at 53 i think what happens if there's no shipworks next year what happens if i'm not relevant? what happens if somebody better comes along that i have to acknowledge (laughs) that guy's better than me that guy did it better than i ever did you know that's frightening that is who would i be if i couldn't make a living doing this and i make a living doing this you know, I've got a retirement that comes in, but I mean, I make a living doing shit works. So I think about that all the time, and um, it's it's frightening, but so is change. And to some extent, I have to trust that fate slash God slash inevitability will take me on the path that God has given me the skills to create or fate has given me the skills to create. I don't know. I don't know. But it's, um, it's terrifying and comforting to know that I may not be who I am right now next year. I may have to burn the world down and just be a white belt.
1: I kind of wonder and we're at the end of the show and and this is something you can um huh, this is something you can just sort of consider on your own and I'll I'll sort of throw this question at you as a open ended okay. we we won't get the answer to it but maybe for everyone right. else too but I almost think that there might be something comforting in that for you or everyone if I mean it would be hard it would suck but if you think about society in general, specifically the society that we live in. And if I think about, you know, even my own personal history, if we run out of dragons to slay, what's the point? Like, you know, yeah. if if we get if, if there are no more fights to be had and no more challenges to overcome, I think there are certain, not everyone, but, but certain people that just wither you know and, and I don't know it's kind of an interesting thing to, to really yeah it, it, consi- that,
0: that's, the, that's the existential that's an existential question what is a soldier without a war
1: yep yeah pretty much um, well we are at the end of the show and I'm like damn I want to explore that more but maybe some other time right uh, if, Yeah. If if people want to come and hang out with you in person or consume more of your stuff or buy ShivWorks, the lunchbox, uh, or or whatever it may be. <laughs> I'm glad you got the reference. Um, where where can they do that at?
0: Uh, so the trading schedule is at ShivWorks.com. I have ShivWorks and ShivWorks alumni. The Facebook page. I have South North the Instagram page. I'm accessible. And I'm probably somewhere close to you this year, you know. So uh, come on out and see me. Uh, the, I, I love meeting people. And uh, people, again, that's one thing I know, uh, bring out the best in me. So thank you.
1: Perfect. Craig, thanks so much. Uh, we're going to we're gonna record another one so I get to talk to you more, which is awesome Yay. for me. Um, sure. Guys, make sure you check out our website, ballisticradio.com, like our Facebook page, at facebook.com slash ballistic radio and hey keep leaving those five-star review on itunes if you think we've earned it helps us out thanks for listening everyone as always be safe and see you next week